the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway at nine minutes past clock. Thanks so much for joining us as we continue uh, on this Thursday. It is the first morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2021, by the way. Uh, normally, at this hour, on this day, you would be hearing the wisdom of Dr. Everett Piper emanating from your speakers. Dr. Piper is off today. He's got another obligation that he has to tend to. So we decided to fill the void with my favorite tag team of law enforcement officers, particularly when it comes to talking about policies, procedures, and issues going on in policing in the United States, and here specifically in the state of Ohio. So I want to welcome back to our program now the current president of the Ohio Fraternal Order of Police, Mr. Gary Wolski. Gary, good morning. How are you, sir? How are you? Thanks for having me on today. Always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks very much. And also joining us now is Jay McDonald, who is the past president, the immediate past president of the Ohio Fraternal Order of Police as well. Uh, Jay McDonald, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Gary. Jay? All right, gentlemen. It's uh, you guys are so good together because you uh, have such great, uh, you know, like-mindedness and uh, common sense approach to law enforcement. That's what I'm looking for here. There are a couple of issues that I would like to bring up. Uh, there is a massive rise in violent crime going on in big cities all over this country, including Cleveland, and you know it spills out into some of the suburbs that you guys have worked in in the past as well. But but particularly, we're talking about big city crime. Um, and the, the blame for this is being spread around by a lot of different people, depending on their political ideology on the left, uh, a speaker, a guest on MSNBC said that the reason we have such a violent crime uptick in this country is because of, and I quote, but hurt cops who are afraid. And I, I quoted that part, the but hurt cops part. The rest of this is a paraphrase who, um, are upset that they're not allowed to run roughshod through people and abusing anybody that they want to. 
Now, what makes this comment the, all the more egregious is she is a former law enforcement officer. She's an African-American female, former officer, turned author slash uh, apparently cop hater because that's how she described this, that, that cops are afraid or, excuse me, are butthurt and won't do their jobs now because they're not allowed to be as, as um, aggressive as they once were. Gary, how do you respond to that? Uh, police officers aren't aggressive by nature. They, they handle the calls as they come and use what force is necessary at the time. That's a just a crazy statement. The reason that police officers are what they are today is because the folks on the left have turned law enforcement officers into that by allowing people in and out of jail with an open door, revolving door, no bonds, no charges for, for people. We've gotten away from allowing police to be police and prosecutors to prosecute and judges to, to adjudicate and people in jail. That's what the problem is now. It has nothing to do with the attitude of police on whether or not they can uh, run roughshod and, and abuse people. That's never been the case. Jay, um, tell me about this from your perspective. Uh, and I, sh- I, By the way, I apologize. I neglected to mention, in addition to being the past president of the FOP, which is kind of how you and I first started talking along with Gary, you are now also the chief of police in Marion, Ohio. Uh, so congratulations about six months in, if I'm uh, not mistaken. So congratulations on that. So Chief McDonald, how do you feel about uh, this, this criticism of police saying that they could stop more of this violent crime if they weren't so angry and pouty about uh, not being able to abuse people anymore. Well, quite frankly, that's an outrageous statement. Law enforcement officers all across the country do what they've been asked to do by their elected leaders. And in many big cities across the country, they've been asked to take a step back. They've been asked not to uh, issue traffic tickets. They've been asked not to engage in proactive law enforcement. And this is the result. Um, in 71% of our major cities across America, we've had more homicides in the first quarter of 2021 than we had in 2020, and that's the result. When you ask officers not to enforce the law, crime rises. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Jay, uh, how many people are in Marion ballpark? Uh, uh, citizens, about yeah. 38,000. Okay, so it's not the biggest city uh, in the state, uh, but I'm just curious. Um how do you instruct your officers as chief? Because I know this is a very, very difficult thing now. Because, you know, the way I've described it is, if you're a cop on patrol or or just responding to radio calls, you know, you're going out there every day trying to not get yourself either killed or prosecuted. If you go too soft because you don't want to get prosecuted, um, you could end up getting killed. If you go too hard so you don't get killed, they may say they may prosecute you. This is the This is the... The nature of policing in 2021. How do you send your guys out there in a in a town like Marion? Well, in in Marion, our officers know that if they do the right thing, they will be supported by not only the police chief but by the mayor and the other elected officials that are here. So our officers engage in proactivity um, and they uh, engage in uh, in crime fighting. And um, now, certainly, that doesn't mean we tolerate. Uh, misconduct, and we don't tolerate unprofessionalism. Um, it, our officers are held to a high standard, but they know when they're doing the right thing that we're going to support them, and that's why we have not seen the same kinds of rising crime that other places have seen. It's because our officers are out um, trying to keep our community safe, and they understand that um, that when it gets messy, if our officers are doing the right thing, that that not just me, but the people 
um, in the city administration and in in, uh, in this county will support them, and that includes the community, which is a big part of it as well. Let me go back to Gary, uh, Gary Wolski, president of the Ohio FOP. Gary, let me talk about staffing, because we have all heard about the difficulty that so many uh, cities and communities are having in getting enough police officers on the payroll. First of all, a lot of cities followed the Democrats' advice and defunded their police departments, slashed their budgets so that there are fewer officers that can be hired, which, of course, is just dangerous for both officers and civilians. But for the places that can hire, they can't get enough people into the academies because this is not something that a lot of people aspire to now, particularly if you're going to work in a big city because of how much more dangerous it's always always been a dangerous job, but how much so now, given the you know the target that seems to be on the back of police officers because of an enraged community over things like the Derek Chauvin trial and what happened with George Floyd, uh, but then also the um, uh, you know the politicians who don't necessarily have their backs. Right, and, and and Jake and Atessa, I, I think that a, a while back, I think he told me they had nine vacancies and like seven applicants, and and the problem is, like you said, Bob, nobody wants this job anymore, especially in communities where they're not supported, and you know, the the, the officers and the citizens of Marion are fortunate that it, it it's ran where you know the politicians and the police chief supports their people. That doesn't happen everywhere, and those are the places that are really in need of people more than anywhere nobody wants this job nobody wants no no nobody wants to be a cop to be on the front page of the of the newspaper the headline story at, at six o'clock because they're being scrutinized for everything that they do there's just not enough people that want this job anymore and, and you can't blame them i mean the aggravation that comes with it really isn't worth it and people are leaving in droves i think it was in seattle the up uptick of retirement was, was like 340-some percent. Officers are quitting like crazy to go into other lines of work. Sure. These are dedicated. These yeah. are guys that have been there for a year. These are you know, 20, 25-year officers that have had enough and they're leaving. And the people that are coming in, that pool's not very deep. There's not a lot of qualified people, and you know everybody's fighting for the same good qualified people. And that's when you run the risk of getting officers that may not be exactly what you're looking for for your community. But you need bodies because you can't just send out single patrol cars uh, out there as much as possible anyway because uh, it's just too dangerous. Again, because so so many people have have gone from being either fearful of police, which is fine, or respectful of police, which is even better, to now being aggressive toward policing. What are you going to do? Because they know that police officers are very hesitant to, to do anything, to protect themselves, defend themselves, even to defend their personal space when people get up and threaten them in front of their faces. And so, uh, you know... You talk about people not wanting to do it. My, I've got a freshman uh, a college student, my son, uh, who talked for years about wanting to become a police officer. He still wants to become a first responder, but based on all of this now, he's talking about when he graduates, he's going to take his degree and he's going to take a fire test. Because you know what? Firefighters aren't being uh, you know, subjected to the kind of thing that police officers are, and that's that's not uncommon. There's there's probably a lot of really good, talented young people who may, be, may have been interested in police studies and police sciences before who want nothing to do with them now absolutely and, and you know the, the governor did something the other day they partnered with uh, central state and cedarville college to start grabbing criminal justice majors in their junior and senior year and have them do internships in departments where they're going to you know be mentored by somebody and get to see all aspects to get a better view of what it's actually like before they decide to go into it as a career and mm-hmm. then when they finish their their degree they're going to be hired by that agency that that's a good start to recruit some people that are interested 
but how many of those people are going to be chased away when they see exactly what goes on right. in the way that, you know, in many cities where the politicians just don't back you and the criminals know they have free reign to do whatever they want because they're not going to be prosecuted or incarcerated. Uh, let me go back to uh, Chief McDonald, Chief Jay McDonald from the Marion Police Department, Department, who is also a past president of the Ohio FOPJ. Uh, when it comes to funding, um, again, you can speak specifically to your town. Uh, do you have the resources that you need? Is your city council and mayor uh, providing you with the budget you need to hire what you need? Uh, and then second of all, bigger picture across the country, there has been an argument, or not an argument, but quite frankly a call for either the defunding or the abolition of policing and police departments in America. Now, this has been done uh, by the Democrat Party at the national level and in the media as well. Now they're turning around and trying to say, no, we, we like police. It's the, it's the Republicans who wanted to defund them. Um, how do you, can you speak to the funding of police as you understand it? Well, here locally, there's been absolutely zero uh, effort to try to defund the police department, and we have maintained a, uh, a staffing level and even grown our police department um, in the last uh, eight, 18 months. But it, it, it is hard to fill the vacancies that, that occur here just uh um, as Gary said earlier, here's here's the deal where, from a law enforcement leader's perspective, whether it be the FOP or a police chief, we don't care where the funds are. We just want the funds to be able to keep our community safe. And we know that when we are properly staffed, we have the ability to keep our community safer than when we don't have any officers. And I can speak to that firsthand. Uh, back in the, in the Kasich administration, we uh, laid off 25% of our police department and our crime stats uh, responded uh, um, as you would expect them to. As we've gotten our staffing back, our crime staff have went down. So um, the, the governor has uh, made funding available to, to, to local law enforcement, and if the feds want to follow suit, I'm all for it. But we know what happens when people wanted to fund the police department. In Oakland, California, they took $18.4 million um, from their police department just this week. Um, in a city that has a 90% increase in homicides um, over the previous year. Um, we, that's unfathomable. That, that, that's just hard to even process. And I know that, yeah. that, may be, that may be the worst example, but that's not the only example like that. No, and it's happening all across the country. I was talking to a friend of mine from Lexington, Kentucky. They are 100 officers down in Lexington, Kentucky, and their crime rates um, match the decrease in and officers. Um, Columbus is down officers, lots of officers, and they've reached, as of this 100th murder of the year, uh, a number they didn't reach until the, the middle of September, the prior year, which was a record-setting year. So um, we know how to drive crime down, and the, and the very first part of that is making sure you have a fully staffed law enforcement agency. Yeah, and unfortunately, there are far too many departments that do not, including Cleveland. We didn't even mention Cleveland when you talk about the, and Gary, I think you were talking about the number of retirements and, and uh, people leaving, taking early retirements, switching careers and so forth, but they are down an extraordinary number there as well. And again, we are seeing record numbers of homicides and violent crimes. We 2020 was, was far worse than 2019, and now the first half of 2021 is pacing uh, worse than 2020 was in terms of the number of shootings, the number of killings and so forth. So it's just continues to get worse and 
police officers are in tougher and tougher spots. But I know they've got two champions in you guys, uh, Gary Wolski, president of the Ohio FOP, and Jay McDonald, who's the chief out in Marion, also a former president of the Ohio FOP. Thank you both for what you do. Please keep us posted on any new police uh, developments and involvements, and we would certainly love to talk to you again. Thanks, Bob. We will. All right. Thank you both very much. Gary Wolski, Jay McDonald, again, uh, started having them on together uh, a few years ago. They're just uh, they're great. They play off well, play well off of one another, and uh, they give you the truth. That's what we're here for. 1023, got time for phone calls after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty-seven. We continue. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. It looks like we're going to be guest-free the rest of the way. I was trying to get Representative Jenna Powell on today, but she is. She said she was going to be locked up between eight and eleven, which of course is going to preclude her from joining us today. But we'll try to get her tomorrow. Wanted to get her response to that insane, ridiculous, childish temper tantrum thrown by Democrat Michael Skindell, who's from Lakewood. And by the way, Lakewood residents, if you voted for Michael Skindell, if you're in his district, how do you feel about your representation when you hear a man throwing a childish, toddler-style temper tantrum because a fellow representative is, is reading an amendment she would like to attach to a bill? How do you feel about your representation? you happy with that? you comfortable with the man you voted for who decided that women shouldn't have the rights to compete against themselves, as Title IX federal law says that they should. Um, So much so that an amendment which would confirm that, and an amendment that would save women's sports, deserves a pounding of the desk and a screaming temper tantrum on the floor of the Ohio House. How do you feel about that, Lakewood residents? I'd love to know. If you're a Skindell voter, I'd love to hear from you. All right, uh, let's go to the phones. We'll take a call here from Frank in Brook Park. Frank, you're on the air. Go hey, ahead, thank you. Yes, hey, sir. buddy. Hey, uh, we got these festivals coming up in the churches this summer now. Yeah. Okay, there's, uh, we got one in our parish. I'm not, it's not an ad. I'm not going to even name the parish. Anyway, there are annual festivals. Uh, we're going to have our 16th this year. It goes for four days. Everybody has a good time. The music, you name it, live music and otherwise. Anyway, uh, not till August, but anyway, uh, you know, for years I've been going there and I love to go. There's things to do. There's rides for the grandchildren and all kinds of good stuff, music. But years ago, here's the thing. This Sunday passed, there was an announcement in our church bulletin, okay? The very last paragraph is, listen to this. You can help by donating a gift basket to our raffle, which that's been an annual thing. Real nice basket. They, you know, got all kinds of stuff in it. You name it. Women do creative. Okay, 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 okay. Go. What did the What did the bulletin say? Okay, going down and out. It's all about gift baskets. Gift baskets that you could donate for. uh, And I always take chances. Got it. I got it. I got it. What's it say? Okay, okay, okay. New New law. You can drop it off. Blah blah blah. Please note that the state of Ohio has changed its law relative to festivals and alcoholic beverages as raffle prices. And then in bold print, under current Ohio law, 
neither wine nor other alcoholic beverages may be used as raffle prizes. Now, I've been buying those basket tickets for these years. I haven't been to every one of these 16-plus festivals. But the point is, I can't even go for a bottle of wine now. If I that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a new Ohio law, they're saying? That's a new law, yeah. I just wow. under, it, I had never heard that. I've seen I have seen many a they call it the wheelbarrow of cheer oftentimes. You know, it'll be filled with spirits and wines and, and other things. Uh and it'll be one of the and thank you for the call, Frank. It'll be one of the most heavily bidded on items at every church raffle or school raffle that I've ever seen. The wheelbarrow of cheer. I mean it brings in, you know, a couple thousand bucks in bids. Um now they're saying they can't do that, huh? Can't that's a new state law. I did not hear about that. That's interesting. I don't know why it would be. We're not a dry state, for crying out loud. Thank goodness. All right, 1030, let's get news. Come back. More calls after this. AM 1420, The Answer. for Bob? A comment? A complaint? Hit up the authority message line. Call 216-525-1806 and make your voice heard. That's 216-525-1806. Call the authority message line. All right, 1036. We continue now on AM 1420 The Answer. That's just the message line, by the way, to get on the air live with me. That's a different number. Save them all. Why not? You got a phone? Save it. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. I'm going to go back to the phone calls in a second here, but I, I can't stop talking about this Gwen Berry story um, quite simply because, you know, we're coming up on, you know, Independence Day and a celebration of the founding of this great nation, uh, the greatest nation, again, in the history of human civilization. There's just no other way to describe that that is accurate. The greatest nation, the greatest force for good, the greatest, greatest seeker of liberty and justice for all in the history of humankind. And, um, you know, got this would-be Olympic athlete uh, and her despicable, disgusting display against the flag and against the um, against the national anthem, and so I, I can't get off of this, particularly when there's new stories or new uh, information available. And I want to f- spotlight just briefly a North Korean defector who is an American. She's a North Korean defector from communist North Korea. She was uh, asked to respond to what she saw with Gwen Berry dismissing the flag, uh, criticizing, condemning the national anthem, and quite frankly, obviously, the nation that it represents. And uh, here's what she said. She said that Gwen Berry, the activist athlete, is uh, is representing the country when she is taking part in these Olympic trials, not just herself, and questioning why she would want to represent a country that she believes is racist. This woman's name is Yanmi Park. She's a human rights activist, not a political activist, who escaped North Korea and said that her actions were unthinkable. She appeared on Fox with Brian Kilmeade and said, if she did the exact same thing at this very moment, if she was North Korean, not only herself would be executed, also eight generations of her family can be sent to political prison camp and execution. I want to say that again because I want it to, to 
to sink in. If she would have turned her back on the North Korean flag, denigrated the North Korean anthem, whatever it is, not only would she be executed in that communist country, eight generations of her family can be sent to political prison camp after her death. Eight generations because of what she did and execution. But instead, she gets to live here in the United States of America, where her right to be a spoiled brat is actually protected by the Constitution. And her right to her political protest is protected. Doesn't mean it has to be condoned. She won't be thrown in prison here, but it doesn't mean she gets to be on the Olympic team either. The uh, North Korean defector hit back at um, Gwen Berry for saying that the national anthem contains a line about slavery. She said, quote, I was a slave. I was sold in China in 2007 as a child at 13 years old. The people actually called slavery, called it slavery under the Chinese Communist Party in North Korea. There is actual injustice. And the fact that she's complaining about this country, the most tolerant country, she doesn't really understand history. Park noted the ongoing difference in oppression in America compared to North Korea and called Barry spoiled for the freedom she experiences. Quote, in North Korea, people who are actually oppressed don't even know they're oppressed. The fact that she's complaining about oppression and systemic racism, she does not understand that she is so privileged. There are people dying to come to America at this very moment. I just hope they go to North Korea, China, and see how humans are being oppressed. And then they will fully understand how valuable the freedom we have, uh, that we have is. I've said this before and I'll say it again. The most important people in any room to talk to when you're talking about the state of this country are immigrants from communist nations or from socialist nations. If you meet somebody who actually lived in Venezuela, Cuba, North Korea, Russia, if you meet anybody who lived under communist or, 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 or uh, socialist or Marxist rule, talk to them. They will tell you the truth. You will be, you will, you'll be driving to the store and buying the largest flag you could. You'll be sleeping inside of it. You'll be so happy that you are where you are. Listen to these people. Navy man Norm is in Strongsville, uh, now on AM 1420, The Answer. Navy man, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm wonderful, Bob. How are you doing? I'm great. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, <clears throat> those two police officers were spot on with their interview with you. And it starts at the top with the person occupying the Oval Office right now who continually beats up on the police. And the message he sends is that the police are trashed. Police are not to be respected. All, li- all black lives matter. We've heard this litany of uh, bombastic propaganda from that 79-year-old flatulent fool, and it trickles down. When was the last time any of us in the state of Ohio ever heard a Democrat representative, Sherrod Brown, Marsha Fudge, Frank Jackson, uh, any of them, come out and support our police? Never. 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 And you That's never easy. will. And, and the same thing goes for every one of those major cities, Chicago, Philadelphia, Frisco, L.A., New Orleans, that have... Democrat-run administrations. 
their default, and then they try to say that the Republicans wanted to defund the police? No, I don't think so. Well, the but, funding the funding for police departments is determined by the mayor and the city council in each city. And it's right. not a coincidence that the cities, the police departments that have been defunded the most across this country are big <laughs> cities run by Democrat mayors and Democrat councils. They make the budget and they decide how much they're spending on law enforcement. And they have slashed it and burned it. And, and in Oakland, for example, as you just heard uh, 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 Jay McDonald tell us, you know, they had a 90% increase in violent crimes and they just slashed $18.5 million from the police budget anyway. Why? Politics. Because of Black Lives Matter and because policism, policing is systemically racist and so forth. It's, it's, it's incomprehensible. Norm? Did you see, did you see the interview with the one police commissioner in Oakland last week? It was around midday. And while he's being interviewed, two yeah. armed robbers try to hold up the camera crew and steal their equipment yeah. during the interview. Yeah. And I mean, and you know, th- this Democrat onslaught against the police has got to stop. It's got to stop. Well, you know who and I feel really won't. bad for? I feel bad for good, honest chiefs. And there are some, by the way, that I don't think are necessarily have their, their rank and file, you know, uh, uh, in, in uh, you know, their best interest in mind. But many of them do, and they're forced out of their positions. Like Carmen Best, the black woman who is the leader of the, the Seattle yes. Police Department, they drove her out for defending her cops, for defending her rank and file, and not putting policies in place that are going to put them in danger, uh, and uh, you know, for essentially establishing policies that were the best for the general public, but didn't do enough to punish police because George Floyd died. And let's make no mistake about it. Prior to George Floyd dying uh, of that drug overdose with Derek Chauvin's knee on him, Last May, Carmen Best was doing just fine as the chief of the Seattle Police Department. Nobody had a problem with the Seattle Police Department, and I'm just using that as an example. But nobody had a, nobody had a problem with most of these big city police departments. But because that happened, suddenly cops in every department everywhere are the enemy. They must be defunded, and their chiefs are, are stuck trying to figure out how to keep everybody safe on a skeleton crew with unbelievable uh, rules to follow, thanks to consent decrees and so forth. Uh, and then they can't do their jobs anymore. All of this is just political. Right. I would like to take this moment to thank Inaction Jackson in the city of Cleveland for his treatment of the Cleveland Police Department because we in Strongsville have had six, six Cleveland police officers transfer into our city. And these men are among the finest. And one of the police officers at one of our little uh, uh, prayer uh, conference for the police said, it's wonderful getting used to people waving at me instead of giving me the finger. I bet. So I think that well, says it all. Cleveland's about. loss is Strongsville's gain, clearly. And I'm happy for the people yes. of Strongsville. I just wish we could uh, have this in every city. Navy man, thank you, my friend. God bless. Enjoy your Independence Day. Let's go to uh, Lakewood now. Lisa, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Lisa. Go right ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. I wanted to first off to say how much I enjoy your show. Um, I appreciate everything you do. And we got to meet you for the first time uh, attending the summit uh, in Strongsville. Strongsville, right, got it. Yeah, that was fantastic. It was the first time my husband and I have ever actually gotten involved in anything, and it's not going to be the last. Good for you. That's exactly what it takes. People who have never done it before need to get out there and be a part of the the change. Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you that, you know, the struggles in Lakewood are very real. I've been living here 25 years. Uh, last night I saw that clip on OAN, and I actually 
phone shot and videotaped and sent to my husband who's out of town. And I, I was, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that a grown person was allowed to act like a toddler. And I mean, it is, it is a real struggle here. I have a daughter who is an athlete. Uh, I have I have two daughters. One's in high school. One is in uh, last year middle school. Mm-hmm. And what we've been facing in the last two years with our kids, and and we make a point to have dinner every night and talk about it, and to the point where they're inundated with, I'm so sick of hearing about it, mom. You know. But if we don't do that and try to undo the thinking process in my neighborhood, what we need is a GOP. Like there's, you know, we, my husband and I always say that. You can always identify the Republicans in our neighborhood because we're the only ones with the American flag out. And, but my children are, I, what we're discovering is my children are being racially uh, harassed for being white. They sure. are, they are absolutely, I'm learning new slangs. We sit at the dinner table and I'm hearing that my daughters are telling me about how they're being ousted for being straight. I guess they have new words in my neighborhood. Their the words are called straggit and super straight. And I didn't know they were real words, but that's what's happening with them among their friends. Um, when you try to reach out to the school district, nobody calls you back. My daughter experienced uh, just a couple, like last month of school, she was using the restroom and one of the senior or junior football players walked into the girls' bathroom, used the bathroom, and the teacher was out in the hallway and said nothing. That's right. Absolutely nothing. And I'm not surprised. This is happening, and this is happening in a lot of regular cities, much less Flakewood. Where I call it Flakewood uh, because yeah. that's what it is. It is it is filled with flakes, and they don't allow uh, you know any normal, reasonable societal common sense norms to be applied here. Because a, a norm of, if a, if a norm offends somebody, if normative behavior offends somebody, uh, well, that just can't be allowed. So they will allow anybody and everybody to do whatever they want, no matter who is harmed in the process, including yeah, children and- like yours. Uh, um, you know, and and the idea, I, I'm going to tell you something. I miss my babies being babies, but I'm glad both of them have graduated and are in college now, and it's still a struggle there in a lot of colleges anyway. Um, but uh, I oftentimes say I wish they were three and five again because it was such a great age. But I'll tell you what, yeah. I wouldn't want to put them in schools at three and five right now, and everybody who's got young children, you have my deepest sympathy, and you have my strongest advice. Do what you know needs to be done now and that is get involved be active for the first time just like you are you know whether you live in a a place like flakewood or a a more reasonable type of city but you've got to be more active and you've got to be at the school board meetings and you've got to be in constant contact with teachers and principals and make sure that you know what your kids are being taught how they're being treated and how you feel about that because you have a say regardless of what they want you to believe absolutely absolutely we that's our mantra you know we're like You can't just sit back and listen to it and disagree with the television. We've got to get involved. That's right. Like, and you are, you by, might, you by know, coming to events like the ones where you said you first met me, and thank you for doing that, Lisa, and I've got to run here for the, for the uh, traffic uh, or, uh, or for a break here. But um, I'll tell you this. What you did is that's the first step, and now it's go to other ones, and then it's stay in contact with the people that you meet there, and then go in groups to the city council meetings. Go in groups to the school board meetings. Go in groups to uh, see teachers and principals and superintendents. Do what you've got to do to make your voices heard. Um, it has never been more important than it is now. 10.50, we'll take a time out to come back with a few more phone calls on AM 1420, The Answer. No this is Will Floor You. Is life so dear or peace so sweet? 
has to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. Forbid it, Almighty God. Give me liberty or give me death. I'm Jeff Toring, pastor of Liberty Valley Church in Northfield. And I would like to invite you this July the 4th at 10 a.m. for a patriot revival where the Christian and the state... Okay, I do want to get a couple more calls in here, but real quick, I want to do this. Yesterday marked the 91st anniversary of one of the most brilliant, one of the most brilliant Americans um, uh, ever, quite frankly, Thomas Sowell, uh, an American economist, a social theorist. He's a senior fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution, a black libertarian conservative, author of more than 30 books. A man who served in the Marine Corps during the Korean War, came back to the United States, went to Harvard, graduated magna cum laude there, received his master's degree from Columbia, earned his doctorate from the University of Chicago. Quite simply, one of the most brilliant conservative minds of our time or any time. And uh, yesterday was his birthday. He's 91 years old. I want to say happy birthday to Thomas Sowell, and then I want to apply something. The words of Thomas Sowell, very short, to respond to the last caller who is talking about her children being called names and being attacked for being white in Flakewood schools. And it's happening all over this country because, of course, white young children today have to pay the price for the sins of white people in the past. And of course, all minorities today are all oppressed because of people who have endured terrible things in the past as well. Thomas Sowell said this, It is self-destructive for any society to create a situation where a baby who is born into the world today automatically has pre-existing grievances against another baby born at the same time because of what their ancestors did centuries ago. Period. That's that's as simple and perfectly accurate. It is self-destructive for a society to create an environment where a baby born today automatically has a pre-existing grievance against another baby born today because of what their ancestors did centuries ago. And that's what the left is creating right now. Happy birthday, Thomas Sowell. Matthew and Medina. Go ahead, Matthew. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. What I got to say won't take very long. Uh, I, I listened to the police this morning. And you know what's, what really makes my blood boil is these, these guys that are supposed to be educators that are on these different boards, these council people, they're cutting, the, they're cutting, they're cutting their own throat by cutting the police from the, the funds that they need. And one of these, you know, uh, if, if it, when, it, when it gets bad, and you, if you need trouble, if you need, uh, uh, need uh, some police help, who are you going to call? The thugs? Well, here's, Matthew, here's the thing, though. They're not cutting their own throats. They're cutting the throats of their constituents, particularly who live in the poor and high-crime areas. You see, these council members, and thank you for the call, my friend, these council members, you know what they don't do? They don't live in the, in the thuggish, high-crime areas. They live in the highly protected areas where police are rarely needed because they've got their own gated communities or they've got their own security systems in their home, and they're, they're basically living a different life than their constituents live, particularly in the inner city. 
those council members aren't afraid of anything because they're not cutting their own throats. It's only uh, it's the it's the great uh, you know uh, the the dredges, if you will, in their class based society that will be facing problems if we're, there are less police around. BJ North Olmstead, BJ, go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Uh, a few days before the Fourth of July, Nancy Pelosi just within the last half hour announced that they're going to attack anybody that protests the Capitol. They're using January 6th as the excuse for it. They've declared war today in Congress on the American public expressing themselves that they're not happy with what Congress does. Talk about a day of infamy. Remember uh, July 1st, four days before the 4th of July, that this party has declared war on the American public along with some rhinos. And I think, I think chaos is going to be coming in the ensuing months as a result of this. My optimism has been stretched a bit, but at least I know the American public are waking up as they are the parents of, uh, of, of children in schools. So be aware of this, and I hope you make a comment on it. Thank and you. I, I appreciate that. I'm going to make that comment. I promise you on tomorrow's program, BJ, if you want to hold me to it by calling back tomorrow, you may, in case my ADHD adult brain forgets it, but I will comment tomorrow. We're out of time for today. Thanks to everybody for being a part of this show. We'll see you on Friday. Bye-bye.